passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. John Pollock waiting with you on Wednesday, January the 17th. Hello, Way. How you doing, John? I'm very tired. I'm exceptionally tired today. A long day. Long day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? You full of energy? You excited? Um, no, I wish I was, but no, I, I've, um, yeah, I, I, I'm a bit tired too. I'm sorry. I don't know if we. Everyone, sit it. back. It's going to be a roller coaster. Yeah. Get ready for this one. Yeah, I don't know how often people really want to hear that. You know, the, their podcast hosts um, aren't, aren't feeling that that energetic. Um, but it, it's the truth. You know, I can't lie. I can't lie to the people out there. Um, well, we are going to get into everything concerning tonight's AEW Dynamite from North Charleston, South Carolina. Ever been? I have not. No. no. Have you? Have not. No. No. On my list. Okay. All right. Big fan of the Charlestons. What's that? The oh, dance? This is North Charleston. I'm just saying in, in general. Uh, okay. All right. Let's. Let's move on. Quickly. I got nothing, dude. I mean, I know you're trying to cook something up. I this is really not much here. <laughs> okay. Well, I I, ju- I just wanted a, a, a recap of uh just just life in general. How how you're doing? You know, I went this... to the I went to the aquarium today. Oh, so, the aquarium, with Oscar. Yeah, and uh, had a great time. You know, have you At been to the point, aquarium before? Never. No. It's it's fun to go to. It's um, it's it's entertaining. It's like it's a good good walkthrough i think it keeps your attention as well yeah it's a it's a bit smaller than i mean it's huge but i guess like um a bit smaller than i had envisioned but it is like a self-contained like you know thing in the heart of the city and and i guess impressive um enough but like you know taking a one and a half year old there like he was it it was fun to watch his reactions to everything but he was also as interested in like the sort of um uh like that little um path that 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 tram that they have oh that yeah, yeah. through the tunnel when the moves like, yeah he was as interested as as the at the platform as as the actual you know fish and everything yeah but I um mean, i mean that holds i mean how could that compare it to like some dude that's in there swimming with these you know piranhas yeah 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 um and then while walking outside i ran into a stray davy portman Oh, wow. Very what are the chances? Um, 
probably decent chances, I, I would say. Like not a one in a million chance, but yeah, it's uh it's a pretty little... big city, John, you know. It's uh every it, it feels like it. I thought you were gonna say like you ran into, I don't know, Daniel Cormier or something. Well, that would be a, a bit more unusual. He was a few blocks over where I was. Right. Yes. How was your day? Oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into UFC Media Day. That's that's where I was most of the day. Um, different setup than the, the, the now. The way they do Media Day is that you arrive, and instead of it being a free for all where everyone's just going to try and interview people, everyone's at desks. They bring people in for their different like fifteen minutes, and everyone that gets a question, pretty much they have a chance to get it in, unless it's you know you have to be aggressive at the end to because they'll keep it to a certain amount of time pretty organized it's pretty uh pretty simple it's 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 one where to be there in person like unless you're shooting the video i guess for your website i don't know if it's mandatory that you be there in person when all this is going to be streamed and they send you the audio after but it gives you a chance to like ask a bunch of questions which i got to do so Mm -hmm. there was that aspect to it but it was uh it was fine got to um see a lot of people i hadn't seen in quite a while on the uh the mma media front there was uh Daniel Cormier was, in fact, there hanging out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were hanging out. Fighters, coaches, media. Exciting. You feel a good buzz about this uh, UFC in Toronto? You know, it's. I don't think this is going to be a card that does anything significant on pay-per-view, but it is, it's going to be sold out on Saturday night, and these ticket prices are enormous. The, the cheapest ticket to get in is about 500 bucks for this event. It's mm-hmm. significantly high prices and like the live event business for ufc is red hot they go anywhere they did a just typical fight night event back in november that did a 2.2 million dollar gate just for a fight night card in austin texas like that just tells you the demand is so high at the moment to see ufc and i think this would be there are a bunch of canadians on the show but i wouldn't say like kind of the leading kind of Canadian fighter on the main card is a guy by the name of Mike Malott, who is in a big fight with Neil Magny. But overall, I mean, it's it's not like we are at a level where it's like these game-changing figures in Canadian MMA that have crossed over to that big um, kind of coverage that that would warrant, you know, people turning them into stars. I don't think they're quite there yet. But overall, it's been it's been over five years since UFC has run here in Toronto. So alone, you have mm-hmm. demand. Uh, but Sean Strickland and Drickus Duplessis is the main event. We will probably get into that as well. And um, yeah, some some last minute attention that Sean Strickland is probably going to have upon himself. And maybe that is as good a segue as any, because uh, as I mentioned, they, these were all broken up into each fighter got their time in front of the media. So uh, come two o'clock, I had to get going because I had to get home to do the uh, the show with Brandon. So who did I miss? Well, I missed Sean Strickland, the UFC middleweight champion who came and sat in front of the media and took questions. And I mean, how familiar are you with Sean Strickland? Way is he kind of off your radar? Kind of. Yeah, I, I think I saw something um, where somebody interviewed him. Uh, and it was just a Theo Vaughn, maybe. No, no, it was a woman who interviewed oh. him. And it was like a clip about uh something um kind of kind of obscene and then the the female reporter said that they were just joking and she didn't take offense to it okay 
you might be mistaking this for for somebody else. I think. Who am I thinking of? Are you say. thinking of Tom Aspinall? Maybe. British fighter. Okay. Yes. I I know exactly what you're talking about, and I, okay. I'm not going to repeat it. But it's uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. There's 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 plenty of it. Not to say Sean Strickland is a uh, a saint by any stretch. So Sean Strickland is somebody that I mean he's been in the UFC for almost a decade at, at this point. Like he has he has carved into this sort of brash outspoken figure that comes across pretty genuine to people and in time like he has been open about the fact like he had a a traumatizing traumatizing childhood where he was like physically beaten by his father i mean it's like just the description of it like this is a childhood that no no individual should have to live through and i think that has given people some context into how this guy has gotten to this kind of state of mind, but he has said some horrific things in the past and it's somewhat measured of like in mixed martial arts. I think there's a grand amount of leeway that is given to fight promotion to say shocking things because more often than not, this kind of thing works for people and it grant, it gets them attention. And I think there's no question that if we're looking at the worlds of pro wrestling and MMA, MMA has a far greater, um, far greater rope that they're willing to give of insane things uh, to, to, to be said all in for, for the sake of fight hype. But I mean, in, in the past, like there have been things he has said um, in terms of like homophobic comments, um, you know, just tons of things. And he's, he's leaned into this and it's, it's very much part of him. And he is a popular fighter because of this to a lot of people. And you've seen since winning the middleweight title, like they have really tried to humanize this guy as well. So it's, it's not like this is a, this is a complicated figure uh, when it comes to that. But today he was in front of the media and one of the reporters, uh, Alexander Lee, who was with MMA fighting brought up some of these past comments for him to essentially explain to just basically address these comments that he has put out in the past. So we're going, I, I kind of debated if I want to play this or, or not, there is some horrible language in, in this, uh, like some very hateful language in this, but I think it's more impactful that you actually hear it from him rather than me trying to recap it. I think it is important to hear it and the context uh, as well. So this is about a three minute clip. So we are going to play it. And then I would like Way's reaction as well as someone that maybe doesn't really follow um, as much of the the day to day with someone like a Sean Strickland, and we'll, we'll go from there. So here is Sean Strickland at the media day earlier today in Toronto. We've got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian yeah. community in this city. I did want to ask you about something you wrote a couple of years ago. You said if I had a gay son, I would think I. Oh look, another another. I'm saying in the swamp, you guys, the swamp. You become a champion. You become a star, and and someone's. Let me ask you something. Are you are you are you gay? No, are you? Are you? Let me know. Are you gay? Can I get an answer? Well, no, I'm asking. This is a part of. Are you are you a gay man? I'm an ally of the community. Okay, if you had a son, then he was like, you know, you had a son, he was gay. You'd be like, oh man, you don't you don't want a grandkid? No problem with it. Oh, man. Well, dude, you're a weak fucking man, dude. You're like, you're part of the fucking problem. You elected Justin Trudeau. Like, would you fucking, when he sees the bank accounts, like, you're just fucking pathetic. And, and the fact that, the fact that you have no fucking backbone 
And and has he shut down your fucking country and seized bank accounts? You asked me some stupid shit like that. Go fuck yourself. Move the fuck on, man. No, that doesn't really coward. answer the question. But I did want to ask also things you said about the trans community. You said uh, this past October when they announced the Bud Light sponsorship that you'd go so hard on Bud Light in your next fight they'll have to accept me or denounce me when uh, when they know what and will know what they stand for. Are you this still- guy's like hey, this Canadian's not that Canadian. Are you still going to use your fight time to kind of speak on that? Here's the thing about Bud Light. Here's the thing about Bud Light. Ten years ago, to be trans was a, what, a mental fucking illness. And now all of a sudden, people like you have fucking weaseled your way in the world. You are, you are an infection. You are the definition of weakness. Everything that is wrong with the world is because of fucking you. And the best thing is, is the world's not buying it. The world's not buying your fucking bullshit you're fucking peddling. The world is not saying, you know what? You're right. Fucking chicks have dicks. The world's not saying that. The world's saying, no, there are two genders. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, who they could fuck in school. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, their sexual preference. Like, dude, this guy is the fucking enemy. Uh, you want to look at the fucking enemy to our world? It's that motherfucker right there asking these stupid fucking questions. Sorry, I'm, I, I told you UFC has to be nicer. Lance, Lance am, I, am I still good with this? Am I, did I cross any lines? A little, what the fuck? I didn't say the F word. You just brought this fucking guy in here to piss me off. You, you just did, but uh, just to follow up, I mean, Rick... Wait, did I, wait, did I, say, the, did I say it? You, you just did. No, I didn't say it. Right, right there you did. Different oh, F word, different word. Yeah. I'm trying to be good, man. I'm trying to be good. I, do, I like the fucking gays. Everything. I've never, you, you guys think I've ever shit on a gay man or shit on a gay one? I don't fucking, I like the gays. It's, it's, a, it's, it's fucking freedom. We still have it in America. We'll teach you about it. You guys don't have fucking freedom of speech. I'm surprised what I'm saying is probably going to get fucking, I'm probably going to get the fucking uh, Canadian government to arrest me. So I don't give a fuck who you fuck. I don't give a fuck what you want to do in life. But, but, don't fucking tell kids about it. Don't teach that shit in fucking school. Don't, don't fucking push your agenda. Don't try to fucking brainwash people. Don't try to go past parents. Don't try to go up past all this shit and brainwash people, you fucking cuck. That was Sean Strickland uh, at today's Media Day. Had you heard this clip already today? I saw the cl- uh, I didn't see all of it, but I saw a portion of it when uh, you tweeted it out. I guess it's, it's somewhat... Um, fitting or maybe interesting at least that um we're talking about this and we're listening to a clip like this on the uh anniversary of the death of jay briscoe somebody who had made similar comments in the past and i think um from what we've known has you know walked back on them and has sort of um i don't know used it as a growing experience to to change um i hear this from this man who is a very successful MMA fighter. And I I can't help but just maybe feel like I'm listening to the ramblings of a very um, dumb person, um, somebody who maybe is just miseducated, you know, himself, and probably has suffered, um, well, we, you mentioned he has suffered a yeah, lot of hurt like- himself. Um, so I just, I, I approach it maybe from like a bit more of a sympathetic sort of like tone um but it's it's shocking and i would say even more shocking than just you know hearing somebody at the very top of this promotion his name is on the background of this event uh, this guy is the headline it. this guy is by far the biggest star on this card on, on saturday i mean there yeah. there's no question about it and 
I but, mean, but, but even beyond just, I think, you know, hearing essentially a spokesperson for this company use the, this type of uh, uh, speech, it's the comments and the responses, you know, to your tweets, to this tweet, and the amount of defenders that are out there just um, championing these words, using him as, you know, proud spokesperson. And I just, I mean, I used to love MMA. I used to love the UFC. I, I, I'm a blue belt in jujitsu. It's a beautiful sport. Um, but I never, ever, ever want to be associated with people that are that feel this way, and and that and people that um, would look to like somebody like this as you know a role model for them. It, it just completely turns me off of anything MMA. I, I think that is the the part of it is that you see not even so much a defense of the person of uh you know trying to like of someone that is a fan of sean strickland that tries to defend this no it is they are defending the the philosophy they are defending these thoughts that are it's troubling to me um but not surprising at at the same level i just contrast to the two industries that we cover the most. And it seems like there is a outlet for it in one and almost like a zero tolerance. Like, could you fathom way um, a pro wrestler in a setting like this um, in a major company coming like even, even coming within a 10th of that kind of language in a public setting that there wouldn't be such a grand outcry and that there would be um, parameters in place that would like, it, it just becomes a, a situation where the UFC has kind of opened itself where an individual like this is not only free to uh, espouse this, but do it on company turf at a promotional event. Um, th- this is where like the UFC has kind of marked their you know line in the sand that we are the freedom of speech company and you can say whatever you want. This being the same company that at a time had a like disciplinary committee in place. And when Nate Diaz just used the F word on Twitter was fine. And how far we have come now to this um, where I I don't think without any pressure, there would be even a thought of even at the very least of UFC stating, we do not condone this, even though they, they readily like, you know, promote like pride and, and certain initiatives like that. But then when you have someone like this, that is, essentially speaking on behalf of your company you are you are endorsing this by default and mm-hmm. how do you feel if you are you're the, platforming him you are and the only way that there's a reaction is if those business partners whether they be sponsors or broadcasters are uncomfortable with this like remember this is we have just kicked off the sportsnet deal in canada as of last weekend. And this is a company in Rogers that a number of years ago fired Don Cherry, who is one of the most iconic broadcasters in this country after he, you know, granted had a history of, you know, troubling remarks that sort of just got um, accepted as part of Don Cherry, but went a step too far. And his rant was, was complaining about uh, calling you people, as sort of people took as a euphemism for immigrants, not wearing poppies. And that was it. He was fired over that. Does a Rogers, does an ESPN uh, 
want to be associating with this. And I guess by this point, ESPN has been in the UFC business for many years at this point. Um, but this is like for Rogers, they are back in the UFC business after years apart. This is a very different UFC and it comes with this kind of thing that did not exist there, uh, you know, back in 2014 and before. Right. Yeah. I guess, um, the pessimist in me just doesn't feel like the anybody will be complaining because maybe the the money is too good. The UFC is too, maybe too important to their portfolio, and um, business um, dealings are probably so much bigger than um, what they see this as. Um, I, 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 yeah, it is interesting how like I think in this forum, like, like what would like have happened is- way if this had happened at the press conference and they're running it on Sportsnet. Or he says this on breakfast television. Like, what is the difference there? Um, instead of this being a a media event that was limited to like live streaming o- online. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is. Um, I'm just curious. Like, I know that Outsports wrote an article about this after um, it happened. Like, this is like in any. I'm just. It, it blows my mind that in any any other athlete in a sport goes on some some rant like this. I mean, this would be like gigantic um reaction from from the leagues from players Mm -hmm. from fans and in mma it's like this alcove of sports that can exist and this is considered freedom of speech and don't police language so would you say um this is this is something that would have been uh permissible in other mma promotions or is it something specifically that you think the ufc has sort of made a I don't know, um, a sort of open forum for. Um, I, I think, it, I mean, listen, there's, there's certainly, you can like, find, Is it an MMA problem or is it a UFC problem? Is what I'm I'd trying say to more UFC, but there is, uh, like, certainly, I think you look at combat sports as a whole. I think there is a greater um, level of this kind of thing that is going to exist. Like, look at the lead up to, like Mayweather McGregor. I mean, there there was some some horrible things that that were used. I mean, racism has been a backbone of fight promotion uh, going back generations. I mean, there is that ugly side of the these sports. But I would say in current modern day, I think the UFC they have very much wrapped themselves around. This, this isn't building up any fight though. This is just a guy spewing hate. I would know? argue that if you were somebody. Um, I would imagine that there would be some people that maybe would not feel comfortable about buying a pay-per-view that that directly um, goes to this guy who has points in a pay-per-view that you would be yeah. essentially. But, you know, as, as many people as uh, that, that might be um, uncomfortable, there might be 10 more people that are going to be uh, celebrating something like this. The fact oh, that somebody he, he is finally. Be, he will be cheered going into Saturday. He will be <laughs> the baby face in that arena. I don't have a doubt about that. You think so? Even in Toronto? Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it to me. I mean, hey, enjoy. I'm not watching this stuff anyway. Like if, for people that are, are watching it and celebrating something like this. Good for you. You know, you you, you enjoy uh, these events. Um, I guess I'm just a bit sad that a sport that I used to love so much has been mm, basically sort of, um, I don't know, taken over by people that I would never want to, you know, associate with. Well, if you if you want more more context, I, I implore people to go find this clip and then read the comments because there are, 
I would say enlightening, but I mean the exact opposite of that definition. I mean, this is relevant because, you know, this is a brother promotion to, to the WWE at the moment. And, um, yeah, um, in terms of like policy, in terms of, I think, how much one might cross over to the other, um, I feel like, um, you know, the 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 the, pre- the press con like what would an Ari Emanuel have to say about maybe you know when pressed about something like this and he's and, not and the pressed same... about stuff like this right I mean and I mean in the same breath as like you know him having to talk about the WWE these are very much the same companies now and so um how philosophically um different will, will they be managed um how what sort of uh, I don't know moral um grounds or is each company going to be held to uh, differently. How about this one? If you were a WWE wrestler and let's just say you put out some, you know, some ill-advised tweet, okay? And you say something that causes that backlash. How in how in the world could you come down on someone like that and and use right. the comparable of are we not all in the same company and I just saw this on, on the other side of the fence? Well, this is a company that that I mean um has hired Hulk Hogan and uh, you know is is led by Vince McMahon. So there are probably enough like examples within their own co- the WWE itself that they could cite. Um, but there was action taken against Hulk Hogan. Like at the, at the very core, um, it would not be a case of Hulk Hogan uh, uttering this and just yeah, he continues on tough enough. That's he, he's free to say whatever he wants. We don't police language right. around. Well, here. What if Hulk Hogan was the main event at WrestleMania though? I feel like he would have gotten away with it, you know, like, okay, maybe not, not what he said, I don't know, man. Not what Hogan said himself, but man, like when you're in a power position in these companies, people get away with a whole lot. And, and I'll tell you one thing that is a big difference though. And I don't mean to categorize everyone because I'm not, but there was enough of this today that was like fresh in my mind is that when all the Hulk Hogan stuff came and in the years that have come, certainly there are fans that are still fans of Hulk Hogan. He is a childhood figure to him. They are willing to overlook um, that that tape, that language, or even go so far as to come up with reasons. He was going through a difficult time, but I certainly did not see a whole ton of people that were coming out and defending the language that Hulk Hogan was using and that what he was espousing was somehow of value to society. Like I was seeing today of, yeah, Sean, tell them. There was a lot of that today that I saw out, out of that, and it was... Um, it was mm-hmm. the language and the the philosophy behind it that was being defended even more so than the human that was uh, spewing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the comments uh, and, and sort of like the high fives are almost more shocking to me than, than the comments themselves. But all right. That was UFC 297 Media Day. Uh, we'll see. There's a press conference tomorrow. We will see what's going to happen. You know, if I had kept that clip running, we would have got Sean Strickland's thoughts on women fighting uh, in mixed martial arts hmm. in another world that would have been the most offensive thing that you would have heard doesn't even come close to should we give line. microphones to idiots he got 26 minutes of them um yeah, yeah. i guess people could argue that that um this is a an example of that too well i i think that it is still important to uh point these things out and not just let them become part of the norm that oh ha huh, listen to him mm-hmm. um but nonetheless 
Let's uh, let's move on. I just want to go through the numbers because we went long on on this topic and then we will get into Dynamite. But a bunch of ratings coming in uh, going all the way back to Friday Smackdown, which did two million four hundred and sixty five thousand viewers and a point six four in the demo. So they were down three percent and five percent respectively in those numbers Saturday uh, or sorry. Rampage had three hundred ninety six thousand and a point one two in the demo. So a 16 percent drop in the demo. But audience was relatively uh, the same and we'll get into rampage they are at least continuing this week to uh, beef it up with several stars uh, booked for this friday show collision on saturday night was going against the 23 million viewer uh, nfl wildcard game on peacock but collision managed to do 400,000 viewers pretty much even from the week prior but did fall 22 percent in the 18 to 49 demo so that was the first two hours of their saturday night block and then battle of the belts uh falling to 351,000 and a 0. 0.09 in the demo so there this was their uh second lowest audience ever for a battle of the belts and the lowest 18 to 49 audience for a battle of the belts and I think it's just simply, yes, you were going up against the NFL. Uh, but number two, I, I just think like these, these three hour shows, it, it, it's a big slog to go through these on a Saturday night. Even one that had a fairly built up match with the, the street fight. It was interesting just today as we were on the show going through the history of the Battle of the Belts numbers and what that first show did. Like there was, there was such a hunger for more aew at that time and that was january of 2022 so we're talking two years ago and i mean over also, time, also the expect- expectation that i think what you're going to see on these specials was going to be of relevance um you know or, or significant relevance i should say um to this day we still have only had i believe two title two? changes technically yeah. both to sammy guevara so um i think people at this point have more than caught on that these are shows that you don't have to watch the house always wins. That should be the name. They love their casino uh, metaphors. So that, that could be the name of these shows. And the most interesting number was raw on Monday night going against the NFL football game, which across ABC, ESPN and ESPN two did over 29 million viewers and over uh, a seven uh, rating in the uh, 18 to 49 demo. Uh, they did. Uh, Raw did 1,419,000 viewers and a 0.45. So they were down only 3% in viewership. They were up 2% in the demo this week, um, which is extraordinary. It was not as though they had a crazy uh, drop-off. And it seemed like they like they maintained very well uh, week over week. And if you look at, at the quarter hours, it was kind of like bouncing up and down throughout the show. And the end was uh, Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal doing a, one one million three hundred ten thousand viewers as the average, according to WrestleNomics. Um, I I thought this was like a terrific number for what would probably be the toughest Monday of the entire year. And now they're off to the races. There is no more football as of this Monday throughout uh, until the fall. So they're in really good shape coming out of this football season and held up very well against not just the football game, but you had the Iowa caucus results coming in. Uh, to a lesser extent, the Emmy Awards. It was a really packed Monday night, and Raw definitely held its own. And how much credit do you give that to um, Seth and Jinder? Um, I mean, it Their did a quarter fun. hour wasn't significantly more than typical. it was typical. It was like typical of a Raw main event. So I, I can't say it did a, a whole lot, but um, you know, I, I think starting off the show with with Cody and Drew was. Uh, probably a strong move they did very well in the in the first hour um you know they they got up to you know they were over 1.5 million for several of these quarters um i I don't know what the 
what the attachment was. I, I wouldn't discount a title match being there as some kind of hook for uh, throughout the show. But I, I think overall, it's just that there's some momentum with with Raw at the moment where hmm. they didn't need to hotshot something. There's some investment in the stories that are going on, even on a show that lacked a CM Punk, for instance, which um, it sh- should be ample um, ample interest for next Monday show when they don't have to contend with football. Mm-hmm. So that is the, uh, the the ratings notes. And uh, all your other news can be found at uh, postwrestling.com. We also have today's uh, Pollock and Thurston show up where we discuss further the Vince McMahon Netflix uh, documentary series. Uh, Peacock having a giant weekend with the NFL playoff game. And uh, joined by Josh Nason from the Wrestling Observer site to go over many, many topics, uh, including TV rights, TNA, all of that great stuff. So you can catch uh, Pollock and Thurston. And then on Thursday, Way and I are back to talk we will be well rested to go for volume 12 of talk where we will go into well who knows we have no format we go in and we just uh we turn the mics on and magic ensues let's see what comes out this post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet smart money podcast financial literacy can be daunting but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd wallet smart money podcast Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, that is it. And now we are going to move on over to AEW Dynamite tonight from North Charleston, South Carolina. We got some videos at the beginning and Samoa Joe and Hook entering the building and promoting that tonight's main event will be commercial free. And Tony Schiavone is sick and in to replace him is Ian Riccoboni. So get well soon, Tony Schiavone. Starting things off, it is Christian Cage and Dustin Rhodes for the TNT Championship with Nick Wayne and Killshot in the corner. Shayna Wayne was not there. No, she was not. I mean, um, was Davey yeah. Portman in the midst of a mailing a, a trophy out when you saw him today that he handed to her? <laughs> no, okay. no, I don't. I don't believe believe so. No. Cage tries to uh, crotch Rhodes around the post, but Rhodes stops him and post Cage. They go through the picture and picture and Cage misses with a headbutt off the top. And then Cage is catapulted into the corner and Rhodes goes for shattered dreams. But Cage kicks him away. Rhodes hits a destroyer and then goes for the suicide dive and gets stopped by the strike. And Cage hits a frog splash, only gets a two count. So Cage gets the belt and Edwards takes it away as Rhodes gets an inside cradle. But with Aubrey's back turned, Nick Wayne runs in and turns him over. Cage is then placed in the corner, lands the shattered dreams. And then Dustin hits a superplex and follows it with the crossroads for a major near fall. And the crowd was just cooking at this point. They go to the floor kill shot gets kicked low by dustin and then he hits a destroyer on the floor and Rhodes runs into the corner misses cage and cage comes back with the spear and follows with the kill switch everyone thinks it's over but dustin kicks out and cage has to hit a second kill switch which keeps dustin down in 15 minutes and 25 seconds really hot match from uh this crowd um mm-hmm. and just well uh at the level I was expecting from these two, and they got a lot of time on top. Me too. Me too. Um, you know, this was, I think, the type of match that I hope 
garnered a lot of attention in the back from younger members of the roster because I felt it was one of the few instances in AEW where you got to see two veterans north of 50 but still in fantastic physical shape be able to um, show off not just I think their physical abilities but their sort of like um, sharp instincts and, and, and veteran sense in how to put together a match that was ultimately like very textbook you know really textbook heel babyface things employed here and everything worked flawlessly with this crowd so you know um they both i would still say like have enough spectacular offense in their move sets especially dustin with those destroyers that you know makes this match feel like it fits an aew dynamite style but man at its heart it was just i think a really good traditional wrestling match yeah two veterans of breakdown 1998 that is correct one person making his debut even yes who is this young man yeah exactly how much better did dustin look in 2024 versus 26 (laughs) years ago no comparison are you kidding me it's a brutal match with valvinus oh god he's matched with a uh superior canadian here jeez that that is so true like i mean the wrestling (laughs) these two are way better here than they were in 98 well we we can only judge uh christian looking very um gothic and uh walking to the uh, around the ringside area but we remember some of those matches like okay before the tlc era like i mean they weren't really given it wasn't demanded of them to have a match like this yeah renee is in the back with swerve strickland and he says he's got his eyes everywhere he's watching the main event tonight is laser focused on the AEW title didn't win the continental classic but he's the one everyone's talking about and then says hangman page he's an impeccable performer and when he was a champion he was a great champion, lists off the major wins, but he can't beat me. And I have nothing to prove by beating him again. Not a whole lot to argue with there. If I was 2-0 and over somebody in that fashion, I'd be like, yeah, get to the back of the line. How many times do I have to beat you here? This is like uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. It's like, listen, rivalry's over. Pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll have to see what Hangman... Like, Hangman didn't really make a strong argument about wanting a rematch either. So, um <laughs> I don't know if they're actually going there or or, or another direction. Um, felt like a, a, you know a bit of a babyface promo from Swerve here. Like got cheered by this audience. He's sporting this like uh, sort of mascara, um, dark makeup, eyeshadow look. Like uh, you liked it? Like yeah, sure. Why not? He's always been like you know a bit of a horror character anyway. Way right. Um, so it looks good. Okay. Well. There's your your fashion moment with Wei Ting. They recap the street fight at Battle of the Belts 9, and we go to Renee with Chris Jericho backstage. And they note that Sammy Guevara is not here tonight. He is injured from the street fight, but Jericho is still standing. And he blames the Don Callis family for losing. He is going to seek and destroy Takeshita's ass. And then in walks Matt Seidel, who says he knows Jericho better and says you need to get back into the ring with someone who's beaten you. And everyone went to cage match with good intentions and uh, realized, oh, yeah, 2010. Yeah, you beat this guy. So Jericho responds, uh, clearly a memorable opponent in his past. Okay, Sidel. <laughs> and makes the challenge for Rampage. Matt Sidel. He did joke that he was born to uh, do this. So I think he he was more familiar with his other name. Um, anything to build to a match, I suppose, you know, <laughs> and, 
Like, like I, I, at some point, like Jericho is going to the locker room. Who's beaten me in the past? Like a long time ago. I mean, I could just see, I can just see Tony seeing like who's available and, and who, who's going to drop to Jericho uh, on rampage this week. Side out. What possible history do these two have together? Let's just Google Matt Seidel and Chris Jericho and see what comes up and boom, got our story. Um, why not? Uh, were you surprised to see Chris Jericho on the show? We we had suspected that maybe he would have taken time off after that um, uh, street fight on Saturday, and it seems like he's just kind of right back into it. Uh, no, nothing if you were going to tell me uh, someone's going to be off injured from to sell the effects of Saturday, I think people would have assumed Jericho instead – I think it's the opposite. I think they are just ripping the Band-Aid off and we're just going to throw him out there week after week. And this, uh, I assume that this aired live in the arena and I did not detect any booze uh, for the, this promo. And I would think like that's probably a signal like that this um, match will probably have a regular reaction to it. And I think they're just going to continue forward and hope that the booing dies out. Yeah, well, I, I think even on Saturday, you didn't really hear it. And it's a question of whether or not um, if the match had started in the arena, you would have heard them. But I, I don't really even think so. Like la- even last Wednesday, even if the music was in there, I don't think you would have necessarily heard it. So they probably feel confident enough that the storm has passed, I suppose. And um, mm, people aren't necessarily going to question or you know just i guess give that reaction to jericho but i mean rampage is a tape show so i guess there's always the possibility of sweetening um but whatever it's just it's it's a story we i don't even really know how to talk about anymore orange cassidy and trent beretta against penta and commander was next they go through the picture in picture uh this is the first time they noted that orange cassidy and trent have teamed up together and Penta is in with Orange Cassidy and lands a pair of sling blades. Commander dives onto Trent on the floor. And then we get a made in Japan onto Orange Cassidy for a two count. They try for the fear factor, but Trent knocks Commander off balance off the top. And then Penta comes off the back of Commander into a destroyer on Trent. Commander then lands the splash coming off the shoulders of Penta. Cassidy's in for the save. And then after Commander misses the Phoenix splash, Trent connects with a flying knee. And as Cassidy moves Trent out of the way, he catches Trent or catches Penta with the beach break and follows with an orange punch to Commander. And Trent lands the Dude Buster, pinning Commander in 10 minutes and 16 seconds. Mm-hmm. Good match. Yeah. I mean, exactly as what, what you would expect. I mean, all four men are completely excellent here. Commander and Penta have seemingly i mean i don't know what you would expect but like they they are a great team already and trent was great here as well so go watch this match it was a lot of fun the post match they go to the they go to hug but they are interrupted by the undisputed kingdom who surround the ring before entering and strong tells orange cassidy you're a fighting champion but you didn't defend it tonight and he he said your asks are becoming a bit too much and he's coming for the title. So Cassidy just agrees on the spot. We can do it right now. And the crowd gets excited. But Roderick Strong, the challenger, turns it down. Says, no, the old, uh, w- I'll challenge for the title on my timeline. Mm-hmm. So instead of tonight, we're going to do this match in six and a half weeks at Revolution on March the 3rd. I was like, are you kidding me? We're going to wait till the pay-per-view for this. and. Strong said, you're going to have to live with that fact for the next six weeks, and you're just keeping the title warm for me. Yeah. Um, that's a long time, man. Dude, it's a and, really long time. 
and for somebody like Orange Cassidy, who um, you expect almost like a, a weekly defense at times, you know, throughout his run, I, I are, are are they suggesting that we're not going to get that uh, any defenses until then? And even if we do, doesn't it um, kind of kill any sort of you know hope of a title changing between now and Revolution? Well, maybe by winning the title, you assume the calendar of defenses that the champion has scheduled. So you would have to defend uh-huh. the title on March 3rd. Although well, if I sure. won this title, I'd be like, I didn't agree to that match. I, that's a separate negotiation. But they've, they've already built interest in Roderick Strong versus Orange Cassidy. As well, I don't match. think they are going to switch the title, but I'm just saying for a believability factor. Yeah, it's yeah. a long wait. And um, I don't know. Uh, Strong has not uh, jumped out at me since the formation of this group, uh, but he has a direction for six and a half weeks. I think they are... Definitely trying to make him more serious. Um, you know, no more neck brace, no more shouting of names unless it's specifically sort of warranted, like in this case with Orange Cassidy not paying attention to Roderick Strong. Um, but it still very much feels like he's in a transitional phase right now between that comedic gimmick and what he's trying to be right now in the kingdom as essentially they're like sort of ace, you know, while while Adam Cole is out. Um can't really say it's as interesting nor as um nor um, do I find him as over as he was when he was doing the neck brace thing, but the change was necessary. So we'll see in these weeks what they can do. Um, also, uh, the kingdom wearing Jay Briscoe armbands. Yes, yes. And not the only tributes that we would get on, on the show, this being the one-year anniversary of his passing. Renee interviews Hangman Page and said that no one cared about the AEW title more than me. I'm going to win it. I'm going to hold it and put my name on it. And he doesn't think about Swerve at all. And Hangman says it doesn't matter because he isn't the champion anyway. Samoa Joe is, and maybe Hook can do it tonight. And uh, that that was that. Like, okay. Two weeks in, what do you think of this mustache? Um, he, He's got a real uh, Magnum TA kind of vibe to him now with the leather jacket, with the hair like kind of slicked into kind of mullet formation. I think it looks way, way more fitting on him than it does the Bucks. I'll say that. Uh, of all the mustaches that have grown out, Page is the front runner, certainly. Yeah, but man, one. that's I mean, <laughs> the competition it's a little uh well, I wanting, so. I would say. <laughs> so yeah. Mark Briscoe then walks out and they shoot the Briscoe family that is sitting in the front row, and he gives this wonderful speech about one year ago, his brother passing away, um, mentioning it was a it was a car crash and that his nieces were also in the truck, and the oldest one was told that she would never walk again. And then in the line that I I will literally never forget, just yells, however, and then out walk Jay Briscoe's kids. And uh, this was like the most incredible moment I have seen on a pro wrestling show. This this was just so amazing. It was... uh, it was by far for me, like the, the the highlight of the show. This is like one of the highlights of the year for any wrestling programming. I just thought this was so amazingly well done. And then they played the Jay Briscoe uh, tribute video that they had done previously. It was just a wonderful moment to commemorate this individual's passing. I just I thought this was uh, just so heartwarming. Jay Lee and Gracie, who are the two daughters involved in the accident, and their son Gannon came out here. Um, absolutely. I mean, it, it, this was uh, at the moment of the show that really transcended any sort of fiction, right? This was, this is real life. And the moment he, I mean, Mark Briscoe is somebody who 
can't help but speak from the heart and especially about something like this you know the moment he mentioned um uh um the uh, you know his uh jay, jay briscoe's daughters in, in the car everybody in the arena quieted um and then when they came out i mean you saw the tears on the family's face you know sitting ringside and just to uh, imagine like their emotions you know watching something like this um I, I can't imagine. So it was really nice that they made the time for this moment as well as the video. And man, like just to be able to like maybe even talk about Jay Briscoe like now, it, it's really heartwarming to know that this man went from essentially being banned from being on television within this company to now um, having a, a dedicated segment on national television celebrating his life. Like this video is now how the world will remember Jay Briscoe. Which, which as, remember way that Wednesday after his passing, like they had to sneak in like the comment at the, like they had yeah. to like tiptoe around it. Like that was to the extent he was just absolutely like persona non grata when it came to a WBD property. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's awful in hindsight, but like, and then they they got to do the proper tribute the next week. But that first Wednesday, it was like Excalibur just having to get like a line in at the end of the show to kind of like acknowledge this, that everyone was tuning in thinking this was going to be this this big giant tribute for the man. Yeah. But now, you know, like, I mean, we are all left with the sort of memory of him as not just a great wrestler, but um, a great family man that a lot of people seem to love. Yeah. And I mean... I like as well, just the way the circumstances were that you had Ian Riccoboni on commentary, mm-hmm. who, I mean, as close to the Briscoes as anyone in the wrestling business as well, just kind of added to it as well. So this was just a wonderful moment of just like completely separate from pro wrestling programming. From there, we go to Renee's sit down with the young, I'm sorry, Nicholas and Matthew Jackson, the Bucks. They are now the EVPs officially on screen. And it's time for them, they explain, to take these jobs more seriously. Renee goes to mention the rumors. And Matt denies all the rumors that are out there about them and asks about, what if what if you had rumors that were breaking down your life's work and losing your legacy and friendships all in the name of sacrificing to make sure there was a healthy alternative wrestling company? Did you get your paycheck this week, Renee? You're welcome. Matt says back at the beginning, which you weren't here for, Renee, we used to say something called change the world. And that was about out with the old, in with the new. And somewhere along the way, we lost our way. The culture here shifted. Toxicity entered the locker room and it just became different. And we started to lean on yesterday's cancerous superstars. And Sting... Sting is none of those things. Sting's a model employee. He's one of the greatest of all time. Wonderful man. But he represents the last of that dying breed. And if we're the ones who have to say goodbye to Sting, well, we'll do it. Because we would never ask anyone else to do something that we wouldn't do ourselves. And as EVPs, we can pull some strings to try and get that match at Revolution. Now, we've got to go. We have a meeting to get to. Uh, This is a very bizarre roundabout way to get to like we want to get rid of the cancer in this locker room sting's wonderful but we got to get rid of him first uh so that is our direction and more important is that they are now teasing different 
matches for Sting, and it is not solidified yet, at least on programming, of the Young Bucks, because later we would get a video of these guys wanting to go for the tag titles on top of it, Sting and Darby. Uh, right, but the, the retirement, I think it, it, it seems pretty safe that it'll be the Bucks. Well, we came out of this video, and the question was, who will be the opponents for Revolution? It's not like they just stated it as fact. Like, that may, in hmm. fact, be where we get to. Um, but they were at least, like, putting this video out of at least Sting and Darby going for these tag titles at some point. Could they not go for the titles and possibly defend them uh, at Revolution? I, uh, whatever. There, there are a lot of directions. But I would say they're pushing the Bucks versus Sting and Darby pretty hard by this point. Mm-hmm. The, um, I think that's the match. Week. Yeah. I guess the question yeah. is, like, do you put the tag titles up there? Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if this match really needs them, but they could. They could throw it out there with the idea mm-hmm. that Sting gets to retire as a tag champion. Yeah, maybe to justify like a main event spot. Not that it needs justification. Yeah, this uh, this segment, uh, the first time we get to hear um, Matthew and Nicholas Jackson, um, I find it really hard to take them seriously. I mean, you and I what don't think they're talking they... about. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I'm sure it's the intent, but it's um, it comes across like it's over the top BTE comedy to me. And I'm not sure if it's the fit I envisioned for um, Sting's final match, which I I kind of envisioned to be maybe maybe something similar, more similar to like Sean Sean and Flair, um, a lot more seriousness and um, I don't know um, sentimentality attached to it. But it's still too early to say whether or not they they may or may not hit that hat, that note. It's just um, I guess we're starting off from definitely more of like a comedic sort of. Um, I don't know tone at least with the Bucks. Um, I'm also is, is like it possible that they could acquire the old Butch character with their new outfits. Like that's what they remind me of. Like the old Butch. What do you mean? Like like thirties, like, like mustache twirling, like like uh, train jumpers. Okay. Yes. 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 We're gonna get that sting, fella. Like this... See, I can. I can buy the Bucks wanting to to re-debut these characters um, after their hiatus. I guess I just don't know if it's such a good fit with this a Sting retirement, which is already enough of a story in, in and of itself, right? Again, too early to say they could find a great way to, to really get there, but it, 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 it leaves me a little bit sort of um, uh, doubtful. I also want to maybe address like all the sort of like, um, you know, brawl out or, or, or yeah, you know, references. What exactly did he mean by by um sacrificing uh everything and and like what exactly were the rumors that he's he was referring to? Well, I mean that that could be one of like ten million rumors that are out there. He wasn't specific. I think that is where you're gonna lose some of this because it was sort of just implied that everyone is following all of this day to day or like even. Like, I I think this could have been like I got the gist of what the message was that here are these guys that have been put in these positions that required has has required them to kind of play this this balancing act of like we are these popular wrestlers, but we're also like office now. And in the middle, like we get tons of stuff thrown at us and it's cost us certain like friendships. It's cost us uh, to, to some that have lost faith in us. Like, I think it could have been better outlined here. But again, when we're going back to all the fallout of the punk stuff, it's like, 
fair enough. You don't want to touch any of this. But when there is anything to like squeeze, like wring that last bit of water out of that cloth from for the gain of a program, then we will address like we'll address it in this kind of a form and just go with the impression every single person knows uh, what we are talking about here. And I don't know if this is necessarily going to be um, just too vague, too cryptic for people to latch onto, even if you're aware at a base level of what's gone on the last year and a half. Do you have an emotional attachment to this? Well, I, I mean, I just speaking for myself, I follow this every day. I follow this probably closer than 99.9% of the world. And I guess I'm still looking for specifically what rumor he is referring to that has maybe, um, I don't know, that he's had to sacrifice um, to absorb in order to keep the company alive. There are uh, maybe it's because there were a lot of rumors, but maybe like it's because there were a lot. I just don't even know specifically what what's the thing that he's had to like kind of withstand. He can't say he can't say because he's got an NDA. You could literally ask him in an interview, what are these rumors you're referring to? And he wouldn't be able to tell you, but we're going to like kick or kick the can around in for this storyline now where you could think of like, like how many things have been said about the 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 box and and uh, what, what their role is in, in all of this stuff. Yeah, because I'll say like um at least like from what I like my recollection of everything at this point is that Punk for for a lot of people felt like he was the bad guy in all of it. There was definitely a lot of people that saw the Bucks and as the bad guys as well. Um, but even then, like what exactly? Um, and these the guys rumors? got torched in the press conference. I mean, they they got no kind of ability to defend that, are those the rumors like are those like was he referring to the, the punk's comments from way back then like the the, are, the, the target um management rumors what are we ta- talking about if that's your response to this promo then this really didn't like land well because you shouldn't have all these different questions and that's all that you're left with here like you it, have- it was also that and also the disconnect immediately when they started to say, well, uh, Sting is not uh, one of those people that we dislike. They're trying to push like this idea that, hey, now we want to get rid of all the cancers in the locker room, all the uh, they might not want to say it, but like ex legends, ex WWE guys, what what have you. And that might pose like an interesting campaign towards the revolution match of Bucks targeting Matt Seidel, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, Sit whatever. Down. Sit down. Yeah, whoever, whatever XWWE person that there might be. Um, but then to just like disassociate it with Sting right away, it just feels like um, it, it's an incongruent sort of like two storylines that they have going on. I think it's also like, granted, this is one promo and where they go with it, we will see. But again, it's sort of like we saw this at times with like MJF, this like we're going to lean into real thoughts that people have of the company. And yes, you are presenting it here with these two heels that are saying like this company has changed and not for the better. There's a lot of your fan base that are nodding when they hear this. And that's not the feeling that you should be having. Like if this were a heel three years ago that is giving this line that this company is dying and this company is full of cancerous performers, I think that's like a heel line that your audience would push back on. And today it's... Like there is a significant amount of the audience that I think does look at that this company has it, it has lost some of that spark when you're comparing it to two years ago. Like what has that been? 
And and now you have two characters that are kind of introducing this and painting it as like this company has fallen from where it was at one point. And they're not saying it in an ironic way that the audience is arguing back. It's I think a lot of your audience might be nodding in agreement with. them. And ultimately, what does any of that have to do with Sting? You know, that's what they have to figure out. They have to somehow um, like I again, I can see the Bucks having a great idea for this type of character upon their return. but. Again, is the Sting retirement story the best time to introduce it? Well, I guess they figure Sting goes down. That that starts the pathway. That fixes brawl out. Yeah, that, this is that. Yeah, Sting's retirement is the. He's answer not the to host, brawl out. but he is like um, he's a symptom of it. Okay, we'll got get it. to the okay. cancer, but we've got to start with Sting first. Okay. Yes, got it. There you have it, Nicholas and Matthew. Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony against Jay White and the Guns for the ROH six-man tag team titles. Um, really loved Ian Riccoboni's line, again, right out of uh, WWF 1998, referring to Colton Gunn as arguably one of the best pure athletes in AEW. So there's a crotch chop by by Colton, and then he gets pounced by Toa, who was, uh, he looked good in this match. There was an air raid crash by Khan. The save gets made. And then Toa runs over into the timekeeper's area. Cage is thrown into the post. Cage is like every week is looking more and more like a mummy with the tape he has all over himself. Like this, this guy could, I, I was happy to see this outcome that maybe this man can just go uh, get Kota Bushid and heal up. Um, something tells me he won't be taking that much time off. Well, Khan blocks the Blade Runner. He gets tripped up by Nana, and this leads to a gut buster and our one near fall here with uh, Khan. So Nana gets in with the belt, but all of a sudden Max Caster appears and rips the title away from Prince Nana as Aubrey's back is turned, which I feel is like a staple of every single match she is in. White then counters Khan's finisher with the Blade Runner and big pop here for the title switch as... The Bang Bang Gang win the trios belt. So they have the ROH six-man titles and the acclaimed and daddy ass have the AEW version. And they're temporarily on the same page as Max Caster aided them here for the win. Mm -hmm. They also debuted new um, theme music. The Bullet Club did. I like the entrance a lot. Like it's it's the same like circular like 360 entrance, but it was it was a cool uh, entrance. It felt like the arrival of a more like sort of, um, I don't know, um, concerted baby face sort of like push you know for for bullet club gold and and it certainly seems like it's it's going that way uh good match crowd i think was loud for almost all of it you know kate kind of mentioned this on saturday but like um the gates of agony have been really great um as roh six-man champions but they were really just placeholders, right? You know, the, these six-man titles are one of the weakest ones in all of the AEW ROH universe, and they're really not meant to be anything but sort of like a, a an added plot device for AEW storyline, much like the ROH tag team titles have been. Um, which, I mean, I, I I guess it's their priority first and foremost, but it's also a, a set of championships that mean absolutely nothing. Well, what I'm hoping is that this is the temporary alliance that ultimately ends with a unification of these mm-hmm. two sets of titles, because right. you do not need two sets of trios belts. And I, I'm hoping that this is where this ends. And you could end that at revolution. Like, that's a perfect time frame. So then what, what do you call that? Uh, sextuple crown? Uh, sextet crown? What do you call that? 
Um, maybe they'll introduce another set of trio spells before revolution, and then we can have the, the they can carry out nine, <laughs> nine. belts for the winners. Okay. Love the the triple triple triple. Okay. <laughs> Adam Cole's with Wardlow in the back and just says uh, Wardlow hasn't even scratched the surface yet. He'll be undefeated and uh, the most dominant champion AEW has ever had, and the title will be property of Undisputed Kingdom. And Wardlow said, "Boom." Yeah, I mean, um, two, three weeks in now on this devil reveal, where where are you at with uh, Cole and, and the kingdom? Uh, what is it? Undisputed kingdom. Um, it's just a group. It's they they haven't stood out to me any anything more than like you know, Jay White's group had. They're missing just like that big kind of company shaking impact that I think you would have expected from you know the the devil. Uh, after its reveal and again a lot of it is is because max is is out right now joe isn't necessarily involved with them uh even jay white you know seems to be busy um did jay white end up getting his revenge on this group not really right like didn't they just had some interaction and that that was it no i think they addressed it but we haven't uh you know, even on, page on TV after like page yeah. was taken out did then then was there how how did he sort of um address the the undisputed kingdom uh it's still disputed <laughs> like nobody cares these guys reveal their faces <laughs> as, as the people that attacked you and like no one's gonna go after them maybe they don't want to judge someone in the, on it on his worst moment <laughs> you know I, i'll tell you this okay for all that talk about the the rumor of like adam cole getting called up from nxt to be a manager on the main roster and how much that would have been a waste of Adam Cole. Like that's yeah. what we're seeing now. It's like Adam Cole is the like the manager for yeah. everyone else because he can't do anything else at the moment, and it's doesn't feel like a like a top heel in the in this role. He just feels like a mouthpiece because that's what he's reduced to. But that's what I watched here during this segment. I'm like, here's here's the manager that can talk for yeah. the big guy, and yeah. it just feels like a mid card act that this this segment. yeah. And they might have been like, you know, handcuffed due to timing just because um, they wanted the, some resolution at World's End and and it meant Cole ha- coming back early and this was the only role for him. I want to thank people uh, in the chat room. We have Nathan and also, uh, uh, what is it, Pete in Texas who are mentioning that the uh, the acclaimed and Bullet Club Gold are specifically specifically getting together to go after the kingdom. So that, that could be probably their next program um or it is it is it should be their next program i suppose as a tandem why do they need so many of them to go after what three people four people uh it's one two three four plus adam cole well adam cole can't do anything that we've established ah, they still you know you, you need the numbers okay Tony Storm comes out for commentary with Luther and Mariah May, and it's Deanna Perrazzo against Anna Jay. And Tony thinks, or Tony Storm thinks that Ian is Tony Schiavone and says, You look so much better. We had been worried about you and starts feeding him macaroons. Um, there's clotheslines by Perrazzo. She hits a side Russian leg sweep and then a backstabber by Jay for a two count. Goes to the Queen Slayer, it's countered to the arm bar. Jay gets to the rope and then applies Venus de Milo on Jay's tapped, uh, taped up shoulder and submits her in 641. And Renee gets into the ring and Deanna explains that she's known Tony Storm for a long time. We used to be like sisters, but Storm has changed, but so have I. You may have been friends with Deanna Peraza, but you've never met the best technical wrestler, the Virtuosa. And Storm 
while sitting on the shoulders of Luther, calls her an artificially tanned hag, and then throws her shoe at Diana Peraza. Oh, she said a bit more than that, John. She said, um, uh, what did she say here? I, I don't want to misquote her. I should sock you right in that box, is what she oh, said. Okay. Well, there you have it. Oh, so. Which uh, which seemed to to perhaps uh, elicit a pretty genuine reaction from both Diana and, and also Renee. Um, very, I I thought Tony was really funny on this episode. Um, I was very entertained by her. I thought the match was good too. You know, this like seems to um, this was eight days uh, within eight days, three matches for Anna J that where I thought she looked impressive, and I hope she somehow gets a spot where she can stay relevant on on this show. Um, because I think she's looked very good over the past um week. T- um, Tony, uh, sorry, Diana is is also um. Like, I think she looked great, too. You know, like she really did a good job of, I think, emphasizing the idea that she's this like technical marvel. Now, I do find it interesting that you essentially have Serena D working the same gimmick, you know, and she's about to return and, and re-debut. Um, but it's maybe a bit clear that she's going for the TBS championship, whereas um, Deanna's going for, for the, the the world. But I, I'm interested to, to see if those two ever interact and, and how they might make the two of them distinct. Um, Tony is just so entertaining, though, that it's going to be hard for anybody to match her in terms of, um, especially as a babyface, in terms of appeal. I would also suggest maybe it's too early for a title match, don't you think, with Deanna? Like, wouldn't it be nice to maybe let Deanna get over a little bit more before throwing her into a title match? Wait, let me let me remind you of the fact that we have six and a half weeks until this pay-per-view. You realize oh, how yes. long that is? That, that is plenty right. of time to get over, okay? Lots that is of true. You know, if it wasn't an ROH belt, I mean, it would just be like hand to glove of Tony Storm winning this ROH women's television title. I mean, it just fits her so well. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I don't want to see her holding an ROH title. I don't I don't quite understand why we're uh, a- adding even more belts at the ROH level, but but they are. Yeah. Rampage on Friday has Chris Jericho and Matt Seidel, Chris Statlander and Queen Amanada. Anthony Henry against Penta and Jeff Hardy against Darby Allen, which the last time they had a match was one of the most frightening displays I've seen on AEW programming. So God knows what they have planned. Um, probably filming it right now. I I hope for everybody's safety. And then collision on Saturday, they have announced Brian Danielson and Claudio against Eddie Kingston and Ortiz, Buddy Matthews against Daniel Garcia and the return of John Moxley. Mm-hmm. He's back from San Jose. All right. Private party, top flight. Uh, the four faced off in the center. They they bumped fists. Uh, Quen started going for Dante's ankle, and they were talking about, wow, they're not doing any high flying. This is a grounded affair. And uh, Cassidy then uh, introduced some flying with a springboard cutter to Darius on the apron. They go through the picture in picture. Darius gets the tag, makes the comeback, and then Quen hits a 450 onto Dante, only gets a two count. And then they hit the gin and juice to Dante, but Darius is in to break it up. And then Quinn delivers an O'Connor roll and leans back, grabbing the rope for leverage to pin Darius. And they replayed the ending and private party uh, squeaking by here with the uh, assistance of the rope. I found audience response to this maybe a bit lower than I expected. And maybe that was mainly due to the location of the match this deep into the show, but I thought it was a really good spot fest. These two teams are sort of like mirror images of one another, and I thought the result was really fantastic. Quinn looked really good here coming back, and Darius hit this like amazing Pele kick. So, like, you know, the um yeah, both of them I thought were really impressive. Um, and private party basically turning heel here. And uh 
I'm happy to see at least some direction for them, you know, after what feels like years of stagnation. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see where, where they go here with the, with these teams. I, I thought it was like nice match. It, it felt like some, some of the flow didn't, didn't quite like gel at times for me. It just sort of seemed as though we were going from like one sequence to, to, to the next. But overall, there, there was some impressive stuff here. And the focus was on Mark Quinn. They seemed to be um, isolating him. Then it was the Sting and Darby vignette where they are 26-0 and 0 as partners. But the most important store, part of the story is the end. And they are going to end their story as tag team champions. And they showed shots of Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And it's just left with the question of who they are going to face. So there's there's several ways you could go here. You could have Sting and Darby challenge and win the belts ahead of time. Or you could have the Bucks win the tag title sometime before mm-hmm. Revolution on top of it. I. Mm-hmm. I I can understand wanting to make this match as big as possible and throwing championships in there. I think starts and big bill are just tremendous as the tag champions. It doesn't feel like I would want them to drop the belts. I don't know if they necessarily fit into this picture either, but if it's to the benefit that they feel that this match, it adds a layer to have sting retiring as a champion, then I can understand that is the bigger you know, it's the focus of the pay-per-view. You can draw a big TV rating with, you know, Starks and Big Bill defending the titles against um, Sting and Darby. Um, they don't have to win them, you know, like that. Could, it could be a loss um, that might. I think up. they should go into that last match undefeated. And that's the idea. Yeah, Will his one loss sure. be the retirement match? Mm-hmm. I, w- yeah. I would not beat Sting before a revolution. Sure. Um, but. I mean, holding them, you know, would allow them to get another main event on TV, perhaps, you know, defending the championships before, before finally defending them against the Bucks. Um, I, I don't just like it with this EVP gimmick like that. They could just stonewall them from getting the title shot and they insert themselves into oh, the match. I would hate that so much, man. I would hate to see like them. This be some sort of like hybrid GM, you know, like like gimmick where they book themselves into like dominant. It's just that would that, that that's a, a bit too sports entertainment for me for for my my AEW preferences, but that you're right they they could they do have a lot of pull. Get ready the, the this could be yeah. the backdrop for our next six months. Main event commercial free Samoa Joe and Hook, and Hook charges at him right away and drops Hook with an elbow and just starts unloading on him in the corner. Hook we should fighting. mention all the uh, Suicide Squad um, sort of branding uh, all throughout the show on the ring apron and, and everything. Yeah, well. they're not sponsoring us, so I, I don't feel the need to have oh, I'm sorry. call attention to it. But hey, they can they can call up way. Um, but yes, they, they gave you this 14-minute match commercial free. So Hook is fighting from underneath, hits a sliding lariat, and then a right hand off the apron, and Joe goes down. And then Joe takes this guy and he spins him around for this Uranagi and he drops him on the edge of this desk. And dude, the, the, his head broke this table. This was one of the nastiest Uranagi spots I have ever seen. And this looked utterly painful. And then like, Joe takes- think, think the Randy Orton um, sort of belly to back um, suplex, except like on the corner of the table and way harder. It, and yeah. broke the table with it too. And in right in front of the man's father, too. Dude, Taz, Taz was so great here. Joe yeah. hits him with the apron bomb. And then Ian is just like, Taz, this is gonna be hard to watch. And Taz is like, I've got to take my headset off for a minute. And he's just standing there. Dude, he was so great. He was just mm-hmm. like he has found the the balance that is very, very tricky, as we have seen when it comes to like whether it's a uh, uh 
husband wife combo or some kind of connection that you have god knows shane mcmahon calling his dad's uh, stuff in 1998 dreadful but taz i mean he's always like he calls hook like another wrestler but never to the point that he's not his father at the same time but it's like he's he's like coach dad you know what i mean yeah yeah he's allowing his child to get hurt um as as a way for well i mean i guess because he considers him you know his own man at this point i thought he did a good job of of straddling that line not getting too emotionally involved so he says that i hope he stays down but i know he won't and hook breaks the count to get in and joe hits him with a power slam a dvd hook kicks out then he hits him with the muscle buster everyone is just it's over it's done Suicide Squad paid for too much time because we're going to be off the air with five minutes to go. And Hook kicks out at one from the muscle buster. Taz is stunned and Hook fires back with clotheslines and then the big spot, T-bone suplexes, Samoa Joe. Ian Riccoboni is losing it. And then he goes for the red rum. Joe gets the arm in to block and turns it into the coquina clutch. And the, the arm is raised three times and goes down. Can't say I'm a fan of the three arms. I just I feel it's so. What? I what do you mean? I it's it, to me it's it's just such a throwback to like we've forever. It's just been guys out. It's the match is over. It's waved off. But like the three arms to me, it's how do you know guys out if you don't do use the three arms? Um, because the announcers are yelling, the guy's out. He's he's gone to sleep. Well, you got to double check, okay? Like this, this is an MMA, all right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you you got to give the person a chance. Well, the three I, arms go down. I think this is going to be specific for the Coquina Clutch. Is the three arms that they are going to do mm. with, with Joe? Um, and that was it. I thought that they like listen. You you can see Hook that he, you know, he has his you know his his strengths and he has his you know progressions that he still has to make. But man, did they book this one for? this audience to get behind hook to make him uh, like a believable challenger by the end. I thought the commentary was, was very strong. And by the end of this, it was like this idea that this guy went toe to toe with the champion and kept fighting and got this guy's like begrudging respect by the end of it. Like this was not a cakewalk for Samoa Joe. Yeah, totally. I I thought this match was spectacular, you know, And, and let's remember like hook is somebody who, um, Hasn't even had 50 matches yet in his entire career. The man debuted in December of 2021. So like two years in to be able to like handle not just, um, I think, a main event role like this, but a type of character like this, I think is very impressive. You know, um, he 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 is he def- they definitely achieved what they wanted by having him like impress and defeat. I thought Joe looked like the most vicious I've seen him look in in a very long time against Hook. And it almost felt like they had some sort of unspoken agreement where it was just like, Joe, you can hit me as hard as you want. And this man took full advantage because it was like it felt like, um, man, if he, like Hook came, felt like Spike Dudley at times in there just because of the size difference and like. Joe just came across so powerful whipping this man either on the table or just with every single one of his moves. So Joe looked completely devastating. I'll tell you, I didn't love like the kick out at one of the muscle buster. Like I think a kick out of the muscle buster alone would have been significant enough, but like I do feel I, I like agree with you. 
Joe's finisher, like the champion's finisher, I kind of feel should have been protected a bit more. Like he kind of, he essentially kind of kicked out of it twice because he delivered it to him after the match and and Hook just kind of walked up out of it. To me, that was a bit too much, but it's hard to complain. This is a very entertaining, you know, main event. Yeah, after the match, Hook asks, is that all you've got? So Joe gives him another muscle buster and Hook again gets up to his feet. So Joe returns when all of a sudden Hangman Page's music plays. He runs down, Joe exits, and Joe goes up the ramp. Swerve is now out with Prince Nana eyeing Joe. And Joe goes to the back. Page tends to Hook. And then the crowd is chanting for for Swerve as Hook's music plays to end the show. And Taz proclaiming that one day he will be a world champion. I thought they did yeah. just a great job with Hook in the, these like final 15 well, minutes. Follow-up is so important for Hook coming off of this. They have to kind of, you know, talk about the legend of this match and, and how impressive Hook was. And they need a juicy program for him right away after this. He can't take a few weeks off and, and you know, just kind of fall back into the background. They need to capitalize on this. Maybe next week he goes to uh, like 8 Mile and, and does a battle rap to get back into... Uh, what are they in Detroit? I don't know. They just find Action Bronson. I, I, what? Just why? I just I watched Eight Mile recently, and he takes <laughs> he takes a big beating, but then he has to get back up and, and come back. Got it. All right, that's it. <laughs> What'd you think of Dynamite? I, entertaining show. I, I I felt you know like good good wrestling. Um, I like the main event in the TNT title match a lot. Um, Cassidy and Trent against Penta and, and Commander was a, a very good match. Mark Briscoe segment was an emotional high. Oh, that, that was incredible. Show. Like that was just incredible. Yeah, um, it wasn't like a bad match on the show, but I would say like the 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 book ended matches were I, I thought the top ones. Yeah, I'm skeptical about like you know this this Bucks direction with, with first thing match, but I have no doubt that the match itself is going to be great and will be heavily anticipated by the time we get there. Um, so yeah. All right, there you go. That was tonight's edition of Dynamite. We'll go to some forum questions. And if you got any super chats, now is the time to send them in. Forum.postwrestling.com, John. What do we got? Andrew starts us off. Joe and Hook delivered. One criticism AEW has had with Hook was he seemed to be staying in place. All his matches were the same, and there hadn't seemed to be any upward mobility. Tonight changed that, and I think the fact that I was so used to Hook being more dominant made Joe throwing him around even better. In the end, it made Joe even scarier. AEW does seem more focused with its current roster and are avoiding mistakes of the past with the frequent hires when people would get released. Another highlight was the Bucks, and I love the direction they're going in. Sucks for Big Bill and Ricky Starks, but I feel Sting and Darby should take the belts off of them and maybe lose them to the Bucks at Revolution. But then again, I wanted Jericho off TV, so we can't always get what we want. Lastly, the main high point was the Mark Briscoe segment, and it's great to see Jay's children are doing a lot better one year out. Thank you, Andrew. Let's go up next to Jordan from the Bronx, who says Mark Briscoe segment was easily the best thing on the show. He's a much stronger man than I am to be able to speak on the anniversary of his brother's passing in front of a crowd of thousands on national TV. Godspeed to Jay's children and the entire Pew family. What's the deal with mustaches now? Roderick Strong looks like Ned Flanders. Hangman is giving me Magnum TA, TA vibes. <laughs> See, and the Bucks look like Endeavor Vince McMahon. I is, wouldn't be surprised if that that's subtly uh, a look that they're going for. Is TK? Go, they should both dye their hair black. Maybe uh, is TK going to hire Eli Cottonwood at some point? Question: What are your thoughts on consolidating some of the titles? The FTW belt and the Pure title are each one wrestler divisions and don't see much defenses. Maybe the acclaimed and BCG are heading towards unifying the trios belts. The C two tournament was great. However, the Continental Crown title means to be yet 
uh, seems to be another belt without anything defining it. Well, there's three of them. Uh, so that's what defines it. Yeah. Um, I I hope that's where they go with the trios belts. I think that that makes sense where, where they're going. Uh, anything don't, beyond that. Don't you get the impression though, that they're, they, they're wanting to populate ROH with more championships just to kind of, I don't know, justify like its own. Well, they're existence. adding the women's television title. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know how much it necessarily matters in, in the whole grand scheme of things, but um, uh, you got a lot of battle of the belts to fill. So they you can't run out of belts and run a show called battle of the belts. Can you? Yeah. There's always like a bit of a cheap pop whenever like somebody wins a championship, even if it's as, I don't know, insignificant as the ROH six man tag titles. So I guess you ask like, is the, is the company better off with these extra titles versus not having them? Like you said, John, I don't think it hurts them that much, but like, I don't know. I think WWE has done a really great job of like seemingly consolidating most of their championships. Um, they do have two brands, so that helps a lot. And they don't intertwine whatsoever, or um, at least not as much as they used to. Anyway. Let's go up next to Michael. Top to bottom, entertaining show. Dynamite was booked well, and it kept my eyes on the screen with those near falls in the opener in the main event, along with another solid technical showcase for Deanna Perrazzo, followed by a nice back and forth with Tony Storm, who I think has gotten better with speaking in that timeless character. I noticed a lot more of a change in production tonight, and I'm enjoying it thus far. Just thought I'd point that out as it felt noticeably different and fresh. I'm wondering if Way noticed anything different from his trained eye. I also like this new gimmick for the Young Bucks, and I'm looking forward to their promos hitting that smart mark base and creating some much-needed buzz. I liked how the Hook-Joe match was laid out, and that Hook wasn't immediately forgotten when Hangman and Swerve came out post-match. I hope Tony Khan keeps Hook as a dark horse in the mix as it's time to keep some of these young talents in the deep end. A healthy dose of roster... A healthy dose of roster definitely seems to be getting TV time, and that's great for development and recognition. Let's keep the momentum going, them boys forever. Mm-hmm. Was he asking about like the Tony, Tony Storm's promos or the presentation? I think more, t- more oh, like change the in production of the show. If he, uh, if you noticed anything, um, I maybe not as much to me, just because like it, it seems like the, the the evolution has just kind of been progressing for weeks now, um. We had like a video package, you know, to to boost the main event or um o- o- to open the show, and I thought that was good. Like I I think production overall is is at a better place right now with AEW. Like don't do you, John? Like you know, I don't feel like it's the crazy pace that we we used to complain about. I feel like they're doing enough like pre production for certain re debuts, um, enough pro- promotion of upcoming matches, um. Like, I think it's a pretty healthy balance. What do you think? They've also kind of gotten away from the big Excalibur big sell of the next show as well. Mm. Like now it's kind of limited to kind of the lower thirds during the main event where it's a lot more subtle uh, than before than doing the big hard push for any of whatever the next broadcast is. Right. Probably. um, Well, and they it's not like they don't promote the matches um, ahead of time. They're just doing it in the lower third. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right, let's go to Tristan, who says, longtime fan, first-time poster on here. Welcome, Tristan. He says, just on the Sean Strickland front, since you all covered it in your news earlier, he said he didn't have a problem with it, but clearly he does. The issue here, though, isn't Strickland. It's the UFC. This isn't the first fighter to use his platform to spread hate speech with little to no accountability. The only thing Strickland said that was remotely correct was the comment about transgender identities being medically classified as a mental illness in recent history. That and other queer identities were once classified this way. Now they are not, and it's because 
because we know better culturally. The other comments Strickland had to share are just not accurate. It's hate speech. And the UFC allows hate speech to go unchecked. It's why I no longer watch the UFC or follow MMA. As a queer person, I'm not welcome to even be a fan of the sport. While the fighters there now, with the fighters there now, I don't think talent absolves you of any of this. Side note, I lead a local LGBTQIA2 plus charity p-flag york region if you think there's ever a need to better educate the mma slash pro wrestling uh, pro wrestling fan base about these homophobic and transphobic comments like this i am all game to support we're looking to connect with the general public and combat the statements of disinformation out there of late like strickland's comments well thank you very much for that offer and uh your thoughts tristan yeah we we appreciate that very much so and i'm sure that you echo a lot of people's feelings about mma of just um you know, going so far as to feel like you don't feel wanted um, at some of these events. And if it's more indicative of the culture that has surrounded it, I mean, like, how would you feel comfortable going to uh, one of these shows if this is not only something that the UFC doesn't decree, but like the there's a portion of the audience that that welcomes th- th- this kind of thing. Um, I, I totally see how it, it has turned a lot of people off. Um, but that seems to be like again it is one where if all things are on the table i I would not think for a second that the ufc would be addressing this unless it came pressure from an entity that did not want such and and again this is not as though this is some just random like this is a pretty prominent fighter that you are promoting all week long for your pay-per-view as well like this is one that i mean shouldn't you know, swept under the rug, rug regardless, or just lost in the news cycle. Like this is someone that commands attention. And I'm just curious if this kind of breaks outside of an MMA story that it just seems as though Probably it's, still, it's still the carnival. It's like this kind of stuff happens in MMA. You know what I mean? The Gus Johnson line. Yeah. I, I, and this would I never be to tolerated think. elsewhere, not just by leagues, but by your, by consumers, by, by sponsors, like, most companies broadcasters would not want to be um attached to, to this kind of thing and by not speaking out on it you get the reaction from tristan here that by ufc not condemning this it's kind of like you're stating like yeah we're we're fine with this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i want to uh, let's let's give credit to alexander kaylee the um a journalist who were like fearlessly asked those questions under a and didn't relent either in the face of like uh, someone getting very adversarial and i'm glad you brought that up because at the end of the day sean strickland putting these comments out there the very least is you have to answer for those comments when given the forum such as you were here in front of the media you get to sit up there and you know what you can say no comment you cannot answer our questions but we have every right to ask you whatever we want and when you put that out in the public, you better then stick by your words. Don't 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 cower when suddenly it is called upon you to answer for these these statements that you've made um, and just try and tangle it around like this is somehow some gotcha headline that is being done for the purposes of, of clicks. Like, get out of here with that. It's like stand by your statement and defend what you have stated publicly prior when someone calls you on it, the very least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. anyway that is all we have to say uh for tonight's edition of rewinded dynamite i'm more awake now than i was at the start of the show no talking tends to do that so maybe you should ask me how how we should ask each other how we're doing at the end of these shows 
Well, we will see how we are arrested for tomorrow's edition of Talk as we will be up here, postwrestlingcafe.com, and we will be chatting about whatever comes to mind. So these are always fun shows where we go into things about uh, the site, past, present, future, all things in between. Also, for those of you on the free feed, we have an edition of Rewind Away for all of you. Our uh, recent review of The Ultimate Fighter Season 1, which John and I did, and we both enjoyed the show so much, and our audience seemed to as well, that we decided that we are going to release that show on the free feed tomorrow as well. So those of you who might not normally subscribe to the Post Wrestling Cafe can get a sample of Rewind Away, which is our retro wrestling and combat sports review podcast that... um, is up to i think edition 147 right now so uh those of you in the free feed will be able to get that tomorrow as well all right that is it for us we'll chat with you on thursday and then friday night way is back with neil flanagan for rewind to smackdown goodbye good night thank you for tuning in to rewind to dynamite